Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The author I'm talking with now has led an extraordinary life, and she's written a book to help others find victory. Her name is Patricia Tidmore, and her book is called I Serve, You Notice. Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, Patricia. Thank you very much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your book, I Serve, You Notice? The book is pretty much about people, men, women, that go through divorce, depression, poverty, rape, and other things that they go through, addiction, sicknesses, sexual perversion, and shame. And these are the things that I went through personally, and I would like to see people get healed and delivered from these things. A lot of people have a lot of issues going on with them, and they think that there is no God. They blame God sometimes and think there's no hope for them. So this book pretty much helps you understand that God does still love you. Hmm. This couldn't have been an easy book to write, I could imagine, Patricia. So what inspired you? What gave you the idea or persuaded you to sit down and say, I got to tell my story, I got to write this out and tell it to the world so I can help others? Well, years ago, when I was a little girl, I was tossed around in a lot of foster homes. My mother had passed away, and I was writing poems back then about my situation, and I was a troubled child. And so as I was growing up, I was telling everyone that I would one day write a book and tell my story. I didn't know that it was going to come true like this, but God had laid on my spirit to write and that to become an author. And so this was something that I didn't even expect, but it did happen. So I sat down one day and I just started jotting things down and bringing up my past. And even I got delivered through some of the things that I remembered. Patricia, was that a long process for you to write this and publish it? Yes, it was. It it took me about two and a half years to write it, but I was so afraid to put it out there and I was concerned about what other people thought about me or even family, because there's some things that are so personal in there that it's even about family. And God just put it on me to be strong and speak how I felt. Then is this your first foray into the world of writing and publishing? Yes, it is. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way then, Patricia. What advice would you give to authors who want to tell their stories well, but haven't done it yet? To don't be afraid. Go in much prayer because it is being God-led. And God wants us to put books out there. He wants us to tell our testimony. So I would say, don't be afraid. Continue on through prayer and even fasting and sitting before God and ask him, where does he want you to begin? And Because none of us know how to begin, how to end or anything, but it has to be God to lead us. Mm. What's that moment like, Patricia, when you get that first hard copy of your book in and you get to hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time? What's that like? 
It was so exciting. I couldn't believe it was me <laughs> in this and my pictures in it and reading it and hearing my life story personally to myself. It just was exciting to me. And it is now. And I plan on continuing to write. That was my next question. I was hoping that you might have more in the works. Can you tell me about what you're working on? Right now, I'm working on after you get saved, what you can do after that. Mm. My next book will be called Voices, Bumps, Thumps, and Jumps. And what that means is all the voices you hear that tries to make you back away, all the noises behind everything that you believe. I went through so much even after being saved that I really would advise people to make sure that they hang in there, stick with it, because it's not an easy job to write or be saved or any of that. So just hang in there. I really am compassionate for men and women that really have been through a lot, and I would like to see souls saved. Well, I know a lot of people are going to be helped and blessed by this book. And Patricia, thank you for sharing your story with the world so that you can help others. The name of the book is I Serve You Notice. It's written by Patricia Tidmore, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, of course, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Patricia, thank you again for joining me here today and telling me about your life and about your book. I hope we can talk again sometime. Yeah, thank you for having me again, Corey. Framed, I Never Stood a Chance. That's the new book. It just hit stores. It's written by Joseph Acapinti, and I'm really happy that Joseph is right here with me now to tell me all about it. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You've written quite a story in Framed, I Never Stood a Chance. Can you tell me what readers can expect here? Basically, it's a story, personal story of an injustice. It's a federal agent, a highly decorated federal agent who worked for the Immigration and Naturalization Service 22 years and highly decorated, 78 commendations and three attorney general awards. And I was the chief of the human trafficking division that investigated terrorism, human trafficking, and also narcotics being committed by criminal aliens. Oh, wow. In 1988, a cop was murdered in New York. I'm asked to be a member of the task force. We were able, along with NYPD detectives, to solve it. And when I learned that the drug cartel was buying up grocery stores, I started a task force called Project Bodega, and it was very successful. But what I didn't realize that the cartel had a political front called the Federation that was able to uh, convince the mayor at the time that we were violating the civil rights. And as a result, he pressured the Justice Department to prosecute me. And this was in 1991. What made my case unique, it was the first time in American history that any law enforcement officer was criminally prosecuted for civil rights where there was no act of police brutality, racial bias, or corruption. Mm. But what happened was there was a public outrage and as a result, several investigations and media coverage exposed that. In fact, I was a victim of a drug cartel conspiracy. Mm. And President H.W. Bush, after serving seven months in general prison population, granted me executive clemency. Mm. And in December of 2020, former President Trump 
not only granted me full and unconditional presidential pardon, but he also apologized for the injustice. Wow. Joseph, what a story you have to tell here. What gave you the idea to write it and tell it to the world? Well, you know, as a federal agent, I I was always keeping a lot of my records and stuff, and I always felt as part of one's legacy, it was important to let my children, my grandchildren know about some of the major cases. The fact I worked five years undercover infiltrating the drug cartel, and also to understand what really happened to me. But more importantly is to give all the facts in the case to many of my supporters over the years and to demonstrate the importance that international drug cartels have personally basically learned the essence of American politics. They're able to convince corrupt elected officials to insulate themselves from prosecution. Mm. More importantly, it sent my case sent a chilling effect to law enforcement because it's common practice for a defense attorney to say that the search and seizure was unlawful. And under the exclusionary rule, usually the judge will either exclude the evidence or dismiss the charge against the defendant. And in my case, they actually put me in jail for a good faith search and seizure. So many agencies have terminated drug interdiction. As a result, you know, we supposedly have a war on drugs. But how do you do a war on drugs if officers can't rely on warrantless searches during the interdiction process? For example, I mean, we always get warrants, but when you do drug interdiction, it's usually an open view, either consent, and there's other factors that enable you to search without a warrant. I think a lot of readers are really going to love this story. The book is titled Framed, I Never Stood a Chance. It's written by Joseph Acapinti and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. It was great chatting with you, Joseph. Thanks again for stopping by the show, telling me about Framed I Never Stood a Chance, and hope we can talk again soon. Sounds like the plan. No problem. You have a great day, sir. I Choose Joy. This is a new book of poetry. It's written by Darlis Jacobson, and she's right here with me now to talk all about it. Darlis, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. It's great. Your poetry just hit stores now. Can you tell me about this book, I Choose Joy? It's a poetry book, and it's a close-up observation into the depths of all things, like watching the birds in the morning as they walk through long grasses. Mm. You know how they stop, and they listen, and they cock their head, and all of a sudden press their beak down into the earth and pull out a big worm for their breakfast. <laughs> It's about hanging clothes on the clothesline and listening to them slap in the wind. It's about getting older, the good and the bad. It's about all the seasons. And here in Minnesota, we have severe seasons, so it's a lot to write about. There's a lot about family, and it's about finding the beauty and the holiness in everyday life. It seems like you're celebrating the simpler things in life. There's so much complexity going on around us, but it seems like you're just stopping, taking a breath, looking around you, and just enjoying what's there. Yes, I I 100% agree. I think that's what poetry is. Mm -hmm. And I hate when I'm in a hurry because I don't get to take that moment to watch and to listen. Poetry is observation. Mm -hmm. Darlis, where'd you get the idea to collect your poetry and put it in book format and then publish it? I've been writing poetry most of my life, 
And it it happened during the COVID, actually. Mm. I was kind of lost for a while, and my daughters were continually getting job promotions and new jobs during that time. And I finally thought to myself, what could I do? Well, then I, I took this collection of poems that I'd written, which was a dresser full, probably 50 notebooks filled with poems. Wow. And I finally sat down and I finally smoothed them out and got going on my book. Mm. Is this the first time you ventured into the world of publishing? It is, and it's been a very, just a wonderful, wonderful experience, yes. Was it a long road for you? No, it was not. It was pretty much a two-year journey. I did work four hours most days once I decided that this was going to be booked. Then when you finally got that physical copy in and you got to hold it in your hands for the first time, Darlis, what was that moment like? <laughs> That's a really good question. And I want to say it was just a great, great, great feeling. But I was also afraid, hmm. afraid because now I'm out of my comfort zone, for one thing, and my heart is exposed. Do you think you'll be doing more publishing in the future? I am halfway through my second book of poetry. Hmm should be out by the end of next year, but I'm all of a sudden getting more excited about it, and I think it might may be out even before that. Fantastic. Your poetry is out there for a much wider audience now, Darlis. What's the most rewarding thing for you of knowing that your work is out there for the world? I cannot tell you the response I have gotten from readers, and of all ages, that's the best part. They've used words like entertaining, funny, thought-provoking, heartfelt, I'm just over the moon about all of their reactions. So this is poetry that readers of all ages and all walks of life could enjoy? Yes, it is. I thought at first maybe it would be just for women my age, you know, poetry book by a woman for women. But I'm happily surprised that men are texting me saying how much they appreciate it, how much they laughed, how much they cried. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Darlis, a lot of people listening right now are authors who want to publish for the first time as well. Do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer them? My words of wisdom are for them to just constantly, constantly keep writing, mm. keep a pen with you, keep a notebook with you. Even if it's one word, even if you're just looking at the morning dew, write that word down. Because later on in the day, you may be thinking about that and a whole poem or a whole story will come out of that. So yes, just always carry a pen and a notebook. And I know the new style, you know, iPad, iPhone, I still carry the pen and the notebook with me. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by your poetry, Darlis, and I think a lot of my listeners should check it out. It's titled, I Choose Joy, Poetry by Darlis Jacobson. It's written, of course, by Darlis Jacobson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's available everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Darlis, it was wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you again for joining me here on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'd like to welcome author Timothy L. Sims. Timothy, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you, Corey, for having me. It's an honor. It's my pleasure. It's really exciting you have a new book out in stores. We're going to talk all about it. It's called A Revelation of Leadership. Pulling Back the Curtain on Leadership, an Exposition of Revelation Chapter 4. So, Timothy, can you tell me a little bit about this? Sure. It's, as you said, an in-depth study of the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. 
in that fourth chapter, God was about to give the Apostle John a complete revelation or unveiling of the future of the earth. And the first thing that he showed John was a throne, a throne set in heaven. A throne, of course, represents government, headship, rulership, or leadership. And when the Holy Spirit caused me to realize that, he spoke to me and said, show me your leader and I'll show you your future. Mm. And so that's really kind of the basics of the book, dealing with the future of the earth. Specifically, we talk about this in chapter two of my book, Understanding the Throne and the Importance of Leadership. And the future of the earth as it relates to the leadership of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. Mm. Timothy, what kinds of readers were you writing to in a revelation of leadership? I was initially writing to Bible study group, a group of pastors and their support leaders. There's always two types of leadership, senior leaders and support leaders. And so that was kind of the focus of my book. And did this take you a long time to write, put together, and then get published? Well, it's a funny story. God gave me the revelation of this book back in 2004. And in 2006, I was visiting a church where Dr. Miles Monroe, I don't, I'm sure you've heard of him. Absolutely. A great leadership guru was speaking. And afterward, I shared the concept, the idea of my book with him. And he told me if I wrote it, he would write the foreword for my book. That was in wow. 06. In 09, I actually finished writing it, but I had it on those four by four floppy disks. And they got corrupted. I could not retrieve my data. And so oh, wow. I got discouraged and let the book die and lie dormant in me for many years. In 2014, Dr. Miles Monroe passed in a helicopter accident. And long story short, in 2021, the Lord spoke to me and emphasized that I need to finish the book. I did so in March of 2021. It was published by December of 2021, and the rest is history. Wow. What was that like then when you got the first hard copy and got to look at it for the first time, Timothy? Oh, it was it was exciting. It was a completion, a dream come true, mm. an accomplishment, a significant accomplishment in my life. Mm. Was this your first published work then? Yes, my first published work. Congratulations. That's such a huge accomplishment. Do you have any words of wisdom now? You know, a lot of people listening here, they want to write their first book as well. Anything you could offer them in the way of advice? Well, certainly. As the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, let it be said I did instead of I should have done. Hmm. In other words, there are a lot of things that we procrastinate on and start but never finish. And we don't want to come to the end of our life with all the regrets about how we did not finish. And so the Lord said, let it be said I did instead of I should have done. Mm. Timothy, I get a feeling you might have more books in you. Is that accurate? Oh, most definitely. Mm. Yes. And in a year or so, preferably my second book will be on the market. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, you should be. I know a lot of readers will be inspired by this book, and I encourage everyone out there to check this one out. It's called A Revelation of Leadership, Pulling Back the Curtain on Leadership, an Exposition of Revelation, Chapter 4. This is written by Timothy L. Sims, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
You can find this one everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Timothy, it was great speaking with you here today. Thank you again for joining me. I hope we get to do this again sometime. That's mutual, Corey. God bless you. Why Come I Don't Talk Right? That's the name of the new book. It's written by Robin Robinson, and I'm really happy that she's with me here now to talk all about it. Robin, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, and thank you for being here with me. Well, thank you so very much, Corey, for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me about what readers can expect and why come I don't talk right? Well, I think it's just a a fun take on a young girl who's starting to have a few questions as she's beginning to be teased for the way she speaks, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't have anything to do with bullying, mind you. It's just some fun nature teasing that basically comes from her family. Marianne is a seven-year-old girl. She's from the rural south. And the town where she lives in, everyone pretty much speaks the exact same way. Her family gets some devastating news one day as she comes home from school and she finds out that her dad, who has been sick for quite a while, has passed on. A little while after her father passes on, her mother lets them know that they will be moving. They will be moving with some relatives that she's a little bit familiar with but not terribly familiar. And when Marianne asked her mother why they would be moving, her mother simply explains to her, well, family needs to be with family at a time like this. Mm. Well, Marianne didn't really understand that because she felt like she was with her family, with the exception of her dad just passing on. So they moved in with relatives who live up north. And once Marianne moves in with these relatives, she starts to realize that generally once she starts speaking or shortly thereafter, you know, there's some little giggling around. And so she has a 10-year-old cousin that she asks, you know, well, why does everyone laugh after I speak? And then the cousin, not really knowing how to really explain it, she says, oh, girl, because you don't talk right. And then she says, well, why come I don't talk right? And then her cousin explains to her, well, I really don't know why. After this goes on just for a little while, Marianne is introduced to a neighbor who lives next door and has spent some time working at a library. And Marianne starts to have these these questions are becoming more and more intense. And by way of a very kind explanation, the neighbor pretty much explains to Marianne, Marianne, it's not that you don't talk right. It's just that you talk a little differently than other people. So she pretty much introduces Marianne slightly to the uh, term standard English. And it pretty much takes off after that. Hmm. Robin, what sorts of readers do you think would like this book? Is this meant for younger readers? Well, it was deemed juvenile fiction grades between five and nine or ages between five and nine. Mm. But I really believe that all readers could find something to like about this book because it was a, a really simple take on being teased as opposed to being bullied. And when you think of it, when I thought of it, 
I realized that people, no matter where they live, your take on speaking differently can be as simple as where you were reared or as serious as possibly having a speech impediment. In Marianne's case, it's due to where she was reared. So I just think it was a a pretty fun book. Robin, can we expect more books for me in the future? Do you have ideas you're working on? Absolutely. We have one that's in the works right now, and it's called Blue Betty. I don't just want to give it away just now, but it's about two sisters who uh, grow up as great friends. And then one of the sisters starts to feel as if the mother is starting to favor another sister. As it turns out, she's understanding. Her understanding is just different on a couple of particular topics. So hopefully we should have that in the works real soon. Wonderful. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this book. It certainly has a great message. The title is Why Come I Don't Talk Right. It's written by Robin Robinson. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this book everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Robin, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me about your book and about your work. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Thank you so very much for giving me the opportunity, and thanks so much for calling. The author sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable has seen so many miracles in his life that he's released a book about it. It's titled, The Miracle of Me and My Life of Miracles. His name is Curtis W. McAllister, and I'm talking with him now. Curtis, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Can you tell me what you've written about in The Miracle of Me and My Life of Miracles? Well, basically, it's an autobiography somewhat. My early childhood, it starts out, and a few minor miracles. Then we start getting into actual big miracles that have happened to me during my life. Hmm. Curtis, who are you writing this for? What sorts of readers do you think would be really interested in this? Well, I'm just hoping to get it out to uh, anyone and everyone that might be interested in it. I just want everyone, the whole world, to know that miracles actually happen. And they happen every day to ordinary people like you and me. Curtis, how did you get the idea? What persuaded you to write this book, to tell your story? Actually, a couple of ministers told me that I needed to uh, keep a journal of all the miracles that have happened during my life, and I, I did, and I thought, well, you know, I may have enough stuff here to write a book about, and by golly, I just started in, and it, it's taken me two and a half years to complete, but I finally did. I saw a phone number on television that said Christian Faith Publishing. And lucky for me, somebody actually answered the phone. (laughs) I was surprised because I had tried several other companies, and Christian Faith was the first one that answered the phone. But my problem is that, you know, I have no idea why Father God actually chose me, you know, for these miracles. I mean, I have no idea because I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, you know, and it just shocks me that he has let me see these things, but he has. Is this the first time you've been published then, Curtis? Yes, it is. 
Well, congratulations. That's a huge deal. Do you have any words of wisdom that you could offer to people listening now who also are thinking of getting their first work out there? Well, if they have a story to tell, please tell it. You know, if things have happened to you or anything like that or happened to members of your family, keep a journal of them. You know, write down those things as they happen. And who knows, maybe uh, someday soon, you know, there'll be enough material that you could actually write a book about. Hmm. Curtis, what are the chances that we'll be seeing more published from you in the future? Well, I highly doubt it because really there hasn't been a whole lot since The Last Miracles, but I have had some visitations by deceased family members in my bedroom late at night. And let me tell you, that gets to be a little on the scary side sometimes. I don't think so. So I told them, I said, hey, you know, no more, no more nighttime. You know, don't do it at night. You know, it's, it's a little spooky and everything, you know, if you're not used to it. But I saw dark figures, you know, two different times. One was standing tall at the foot of my bed, and the other was kneeling down uh, inside my bathroom. And both of them were... Well, not the same time, of course, but but they were speaking to me. They were actually talking to me. Hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't hear what they were saying because I wear hearing aids. And it was just too soft, you know. I I could not make out their words. Hmm. The name of the book is The Miracle of Me and My Life of Miracles. It's written by Curtis W. McAllister, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Curtis, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a nice time talking with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Believe me. <laughs> Orb spiders are summoned for protection in Waterfall Bay. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now, written by Donna A. Bennett. And I'm really happy to be talking with her all about it right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donna, thanks for joining me here. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. What are readers in store for with orb spiders or summoned for protection in Waterfall Bay? I love this title. Well, they're in store for a good planetary book about the quest of the orbs. Orbs are a source of energy for the planet, lifeline. The story takes you into a wise water lily. The water lily's name is Hazel and a butterfly named Maya, along with a little girl who discovers a library. She takes a book out of that library and goes home, and it teleports her into a place called Waterfall Bay. And this is where the story begins. It's a lot of twists and turns. It's just so amazing to see so many characters in the story that takes place in Waterfall Bay. So I'm curious how you got the idea for this story. It's so adventurous. Well, during the pandemic, I self-published a small book, piece of work, and that book was called The Amazonica and the Majestic Fight for the Orbs of Life. And then I decided why not expand it and make a bigger version of that book to be published by Fulton Publisher. Hmm. What are the chances we'll be seeing a follow-up or maybe another book from you in the future? Right now, I am working on another book. Fantastic. Was this one something that took you a long time to write and get through the publishing process? No, it only took me about seven months to write this book because I had the idea already through the self-published piece of that. I worked a small piece. 
So I had developed the characters and I just knew exactly what I wanted to say in the story. And I put myself right in the story that made it so adventurous and exciting to write. Donna, before you had written the first version of the story, have you ever written or published before? No, never. Well, congratulations. So exciting to get that first book out there. Now, what was that moment like, Donna, whenever you finally got that first hard copy in your hands, you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? Well, the first time I received the book and had it in my hand, it was so exciting. I was, it was so gratifying. And I felt the biggest accomplishment that I could give myself because writing has always been my greatest passion. Mm. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author? I think the most rewarding aspect was knowing that I could complete something that I enjoyed doing. I loved writing and telling stories and seeing it come to life. That was very satisfying. Donna, so many people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. They want to get their message out there. They want to publish their first book. And you, having published now for the first time, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. So do you have any advice that you could offer to these aspiring authors? My advice would be to tell them to make it your journey when you write. Get into your story, depending on what type of book you set out to write. Keep going. Some days you feel like you have nothing to put on your paper. But that's okay. Just embrace the joy of writing. And most of us writers do get that writer's block sometimes, Donna. What do you do whenever you sit down, you're inspired to write, but the words aren't coming out? How do you get through something like that? What I do is I do some research. I do some research. Mm. With the research, you can put those things into your book after you understand more about what you're writing about. You can find some little tidbits that you can research to open your book a little bit more. Donna, did you have people in your life who knew that you were taking this on and they could be there to help motivate and encourage and inspire you along the way? Well, I tell you, my mother always inspired me ever since I was a little girl because I used to write poems back then. Mm. And she's not here to know what I've accomplished, but my inspiration has come from my mother and my children, of course. My son and my daughter and son-in-law have been so encouraging and telling me to go ahead and knock this one out, do this one, put your poems aside and just make it a book. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this book and should check it out. The title is Orb Spiders Are Summoned for Protection in Waterfall Bay. This is written by Donna A. Bennett and is published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one up everywhere like at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and Google Play and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Donna, thanks again for joining me here on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Corey, for having me. God's Blessings. It's a new, biblically-inspired children's book out in stores now. It's written by Stephen Spencer. I'm really happy that Stephen is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Stephen, thanks for joining me. Oh, of course. It's good to be here. That's great. This book is out in stores now. Just wanted to congratulate you for that. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, so it's, this is my first book, a children's book geared towards young believers that are looking to have a nice bedtime story and read along with their family. And it takes them through the ironic blessing, which is common in Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. It helps children learn a key piece of, of God's blessing for his people as they get ready to go to sleep at night. Hmm. How are you inspired to write this, Stephen? 
You know, I've always had a, a very strong relationship with God growing up. I was raised in a Christian household that loved and honored God. And we read this series of scripture often at night. And what I wanted to do is kind of make the scripture come alive and make it geared towards young children by adding some illustrations to go along with it. And the illustrator, Vanessa Ross, who did a fantastic job with the illustrations in this book, really ties in each portion of the blessing that God gives to his people in a way that, that helps them really make the, the book come alive. You mentioned the beautiful illustrations that were done by Vanessa. Can you tell me how that process came about? Oh, yeah. So Vanessa and I, we actually met virtually in the midst of the of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was actually seeing some of the illustrations she was doing for her congregation. And I saw some thumbnails and I reached out to the Messianic rabbi that was overseeing this congregation and connected with her. We got to talking and we talked about the vision that I wanted to show through the book. And she was able to really make some great illustrations that helped bring each page, each part of the blessing to light. Was God's blessing something that took you a long time to write and get illustrated and then put through the publishing process? You know, I had the vision in my mind of what it should look like. And of course, you know, with the illustrations, that's always a process when it comes to making sure that each and every piece is exactly the way it needs to be for the readers that are going to be enjoying this book. But the process, it went rather smoothly. It it took only a few months to get taken care of, and then we reached out to Covenant Publishing and went from there. There's nothing like getting that finished product in. What was that moment like for you, Stephen, when you got that first hard copy in? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, being able to look at the book and make sure that all the the pages are looking right and the words are are spelled correctly and and every illustration is the way it should be. Beyond that, just knowing that this is going to be something that blesses other families for years upon years to come, maybe something that they can pass on even to their own children. That was, was truly the blessing for me on my end, thinking about the impact that it will have on other families. What are the chances then we'll be seeing more from you in the future? Oh, very great. I'm, I'm already in the, in the works of my next project and mm. looking forward to dishing that out soon. But for now, I, I'm just very excited to be sharing God's Blessing children's book with other families right now. But yes, there's definitely more to come. Fantastic. I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing your first book, Stephen. So what advice can you give to authors who are just about to do the same thing? I would just say that for publishing, it's definitely a process and and you need to respect the process. It takes time to make sure that the project is done right. And it is important to make sure that it's done right because this is going to be something that is on the bookshelves of other families for years and years to come. And so I would just say just attention to detail is key, but also beyond that, thinking about your audience, thinking about, you know, those that will be reading this book, can they connect with the words on the pages? especially for young readers, is it something that, you know, as they're learning to read, can they follow along with the words of the pages as well and eventually read it and pick it up for themselves and make it one of their first reading endeavors? And so that was something that I wanted to do. It's something that not only kids can enjoy, but the families, the parents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, grandmas, grandpas can enjoy too. It's a way to connect people with our God through Scripture. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this book. It's titled God's Blessing. It's written by Stephen Spencer, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can grab this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. 
So, Stephen, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about God's blessing. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you, sir. Regular listeners of the Reader House Author Roundtable will be excited to welcome back Patricia Edwards-Burton. Patricia, it's great to be speaking with you again. Thank you for being here. No problem. What's exciting, you have another book out, and the subject covers something really important, and that's marriage and finding the right spouse. It's called A Husband Sent by God. Can you tell me what readers can expect here? Well, if you're looking for a husband, it's important to find somebody that you're compatible with, and no one knows all about us like God. Mm. So the best thing to do is to seek God for your husband so he can choose the right spouse for you and you for the right person. Hmm. Patricia, how did the idea for this book come about? Well, my own story, because I waited for my husband for over 10 years. And even though it was a long wait, it was worth the wait because of who the Lord sent in my life. Hmm. And how long of a writing and publishing process was this for you? Three days. Wow. Three days writing and six months, I believe, publishing. Hmm. What was the most challenging thing for you this time around? There was no challenge this time because it flowed, you know, from my experience, the content flowed. You mentioned, Patricia, that this will help women in seek of a husband. Would this also help us guys who are in search of a wife? Definitely. Guys can read it, too, because, you know, you guys, they're looking for the, I won't say the perfect wife, because I don't know if there's perfection in any of us, Mm. but they're looking for a good spouse. In reading the book, you can see how I went about it, and my experience can help you. And Patricia, who inspired you this time around? I know your relationship with God is a big factor in your life. What people in your life inspired you and maybe motivated you this time? Well, my husband. The the relationship that we have together is such a beautiful one, and because of that, I said, let me put it in words so that I can help someone to find, you know, the right by looking to God because he knows all about us and knows who to put us with. Patricia, does that feeling ever get old, getting that first copy in after you've worked all that time? Does it ever lose that shimmer? No, (laughs) (laughs) because you see, the the stories are different. So, you know, Mm. you go with the story and, you know, it just flows out of you. So it's a great experience. Mm. Patricia, how do you go about starting one of your books? Do you start with a, just an idea, a spark, and kind of go with it from there? Or do you have a, an overall plan of what you want to write altogether? No plan for me. I get an idea, and I pick up the pen, and I start writing. And when do you write, Patricia? Are you an early morning sort of writer, late night sort of writer, or do you just write whenever the ideas are coming? Afternoon. This particular book came in the afternoon, and I was working on it in the afternoon, and then I went through the evening, and after several days, we had a book. Wow. Well, with several books out there now, Patricia, the whole thing must be worth it to you, all the time and energy it takes. Why do you do it all? It's healing, you know, because one of my books, How I Overcame Abuse, My Struggle to Become Whole as a Manifestation and Rape, was such a healing process for me. While I was writing it, I cried buckets, but at the end of it, I felt different. My husband looked at me and said, you're a different person. Mm. So, you know, the catharsis that I gained from writing that and letting it flow, and my other books too, the joy that I got from this one, a husband sent from God because of my experience, it was something that I felt was worthy to share so that I can help others with direction, you know, in order to get the correct style. Mm. 
Patricia, how did you come about the cover of this one? It's very important. It's the first thing people see. What kind of thought went into the cover of A Husband Sent by God? Well, sunshine speaks of joy. It speaks of light. It speaks of brightness, radiance, glow. You look up, you know, you're looking up to God for direction and for help. So, you know, I felt that that cover would be appropriate. As a matter of fact, it was the cover that I had in mind, but I did not tell Christian Faith Publishing that that was the cover I had in mind. So when I saw the cover, I was blown away because I was like, that was the idea I had, and I didn't share it. And they came up with the exact same thing that I had in my mind. Wow. Yes. Well, there are a lot of readers going to be helped out and encouraged by this book, and I encourage them to check it out. It's titled, A Husband Sent by God. It's written by Patricia Edwards Burton and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can buy this everywhere online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also down the street at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Patricia, again, it's been wonderful speaking with you. I really enjoy our time whenever you come on the show and hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. I enjoy the interviews always. God bless. Sitting down with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Randy Bowen. Randy, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here. Congratulations on having a new book out in stores right now. It's called Give, Live, Save, The First Three Disciplines Needed to Win in Your Finances. Can you tell me what readers can expect here? The book is about the three disciplines. It starts with give because giving forces you to live on less than you make. It kind of shakes up the system in your finances. Mm. And once you can kind of learn to live on less than you make, that translates to all other areas of your finances. It also helps you become more content because when you give first, you become more outward focused and you stop comparing. When you stop comparing, I found that when people compare more, they often consume more. And then the second big discipline is live, which is all about taking care of your family first. And there's a lot of shame when it comes to making sure that all your creditors are paid for first and all that, because they really, really, really guilt you into making you feel like you have to pay them first. But your family is your biggest support system. So we need to learn how to make sure that they stay our top priority so they can be our biggest asset when it comes to winning in our finances. And then saving is all about the protection of our current situations by having some money to cover emergencies and planning a little bit for the future. So yeah, that's what they can expect. I think a lot of people are going to be able to use this book. Were you writing for a specific audience? When I started writing this book, I wrote it so that everyone could take something away from it. Mm. But if you wanted to dig down into who I found could be the most, this book could be the most useful for, it would be the people living paycheck to paycheck and are just sick and tired of hearing get rich quick schemes. Mm. They want real advice that will help them take the next steps for themselves to get their finances in order. Randy, how did this book come about? How'd you get the idea to write this? Honestly, it started as a speech. Hmm. I wrote it thinking that these concepts would do really, really good as just a simple speech. But when your speech turns into 20 pages, then mm -hmm. 30 pages, then 40 pages, <laughs> then it started to kind of shift my focus and be like, oh, this is actually a book. So then I just kind of carried on in that direction. Did Give, Live, Save take you a long time to complete? 
It took me about three years from the concept of the book to actually being put on the market. It was about three years. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? No, this is brand new to me. I have, I never dreamed of being a writer. In fact, I often swore off when people are like, oh, you should write. No, I shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Randy, do you have advice now for those listening who are just about to embark on the journey of writing and publishing their first book? When it comes to me, myself, like I don't, I don't find myself as like the best competent writer. And I know that there's a lot of authors who think the same. They think that they're not competent enough to write a book or write a blog or write any of that. They just don't. And I think that's a shame because I think that people need to hear what they have to write about. And it's not really up to you to decide if your content is good enough to be released. It's up to the audience to kind of judge for that. So I'll just say that being as I never intended to write anything, and then all of a sudden I have a book out there, like you can do it too. There's more competent writers out there than me, for sure. You got to tell me, Randy, about when you got that first physical copy in your hands, you got to hold it for the first time. What was that moment like? It was really exciting. I did a video right after I received my first copy, but then it got really scared. (laughs) I got really scared because it's a big deal getting that because now your book is just moments away from being put on the market kind of thing. And now you feel like everyone's about to judge what you've written. So it's scary, but it's also very exciting. So it's very exciting to get my first copy for sure. Well, the message in this book is definitely important. I think a lot of people are going to want to read it. This is called Give, Live, Save, the first three disciplines needed to win in your finances. It's written by Randy Bowen, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Randy, I really appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with me here tonight. I had a really good time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.